It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Friday the 13th. No, I'm not superstitious, but it is Friday the 13th for fantastic football field Final Drive edition. And and look, we tried we'll to get in the holiday spirit yep. and play the Friday the 13th tried music. To. But then him and I were like, wait, is that is that Freddy Krueger? No, 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 no. That's Michael Myers. And we're like, wait, no, 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 no. It's the hockey mask. And the song, it's not really a song. We come to find out. It's more just scary sounds. That's so. right. That's right. When we hit the 31st, which is a Tuesday on Halloween, we'll be able we'll to play, play all kind <laughs> yeah, of Halloween right. music. That's right. But well, no thriller, Friday maybe. the 13th music for you today, but it is a football field Friday edition of the Final Drive. Don't forget, 6 o'clock until midnight, we'll have you covered with all the high school football action, not only here on WNSP 105.5, but on the Crab as well as we will have multiple games yeah. that are going to be covered. That's right. And look, I mean, uh, we're going to have Sarah Land at home. You got St. Paul's at home. I know that you're going to be covering a big game in my hometown, Baker MGM. I mean, there's going to be a lot of good high school games going on. No matter what game you're at, if you're on the Sound of Mobile app, you can keep up with every score around the entire county. That's Mobile and Baldwin County. So make sure you're tuned in. What a great show today on this Friday the 13th final drive. Sterling Dixon Jr. makes a triumphant return when we thought his season and career was over for the Spanish Fort Toros. He'll be joining us at 315 to talk about his 20 tackles last night against the McGill Tulin Yellow Jackets. We always look forward to having Jake Crane join us. We'll have Jake Crane, Crane and Company at 3.30, 4 o'clock. I'll talk to my guy Al Whedon with the MCPSS Television Network broadcasting and spotlighting that huge 7A Region 1 matchup between Baker and MGM, the Battle of West Mobile. First-time guest, Zach McKinnell. He covers FCS football, and that includes a lot of SWAC and smaller schools. We're going to get a chance to talk to Zach McKinnell this evening here on the final drive. Matt Moscona out of ESPN Baton Rouge will be joining us right around 5 o'clock to preview the Tigers versus Tigers matchup this weekend. And Nick's going to get a betting guy on. I know you love to hear those odds. And Pigskin Pete and I and Nick will wrap up the last hour in the final segment, just talking some great college and high school football that's coming your way all on today's final drive edition. And we'll jump right into the one, the topic that I want to talk about the most today It's the NFL results from last night. Kansas City, of course, defeats Denver 19-8 last night. But there was a little bit of feuding that goes on. And to me, this stuff is what makes it interesting. Steve Smith, former Panthers, Carolina Panthers wide receiver and current NFL network analyst, he has beef with Jerry Judy. And that's the same Jerry Judy who was the tremendous wide receiver for the Alabama Crimson Tide as 
in his fourth year with the Denver Broncos. And I want to play a couple of audio clips, the first being Steve Smith talking about being a man and apologizing to Jerry Judy because he had kind of ragged on and dogged Jerry Judy a little bit. You know, I, I don't know if Russ saw Jerry Judy on that. Did, did you see him? Listen, this is a time for me where when I used to play, I would engage and I love that. But right now, I'm 44 years old. I don't need to have this drama, and I also don't need to have any problems on the sideline for me doing something that will jeopardize not just me, but him. And I'll be honest, and I have to say it just like this. One of the biggest problems we have in the media, especially as a young black man, is sometimes black-on-black -black crime. I'm not going to participate in that. And I'm not going to engage where the, the national media can see two young African-American men acting like we ain't got no sense. He didn't like what I said. That's fine. I wanted to talk to him. He didn't like it. So we move on. But I'm, I'm one, I'm not going to lose my job. And two, I'm not going to disrespect my family by showing that I have not matured and handle my business the way I should handle my business. We got a flight to catch to London. We got things to do. We ain't got time to be watching a dude do nothing. Back to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Steve Smith kind of dropped the mic last night. Yeah. And prior to that, there was another clip that led up right. to that. And he's talking about when he did approach Jerry Judy on the field and Jerry Judy's response to Steve Smith face-to-face, -face, which in turn allowed him to make that clip that you just heard. Here's For a short while ago, yeah. Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy was walking by, and Steve called out to him, I and he got a different reaction. I called out to him because I, on my podcast, Cut To It, I just talked about guys that maybe have not um, showed up in a way or in a manner. And so the word that I've used uh, to describe him in the past was a jag, just a guy. And so when I saw him, he's playing well. I wanted to say to him face-to-face, -face, like, hey, I know I said some things in the past I probably shouldn't have, and I'm sorry. That's what I wanted to say to him. His response, Mike Rob and Bucky, you can was say ninja. Ninja? Yes, I'm using the word ninja. That's I'm just using the word ninja. I don't mess with you. And it was a, it was a curse word. And so I was like, all right, and then he repeated it. So I'll say it again. I'm sorry that I said you were a jag, just a guy who's an average wide receiver that you use a first-round pick on that isn't doing anything. I hope today that you actually show up in a way that you haven't showed up in the last couple years since they drafted you. So if you ever got a problem with Agent 89, I'm sorry for saying that you're an average wide receiver that they eventually will move on. And when teams call me and asking, should they trade for you? I will say, no, don't trade for Jerry Judy because he's mentally unable to handle constructive criticism from people who watch specifically, can he be a wide receiver? He could be a wide receiver. He's a tier three. Go back into the studio. I'm done now. Thank you. Red. Drop the mic. Dang. He did. <laughs> and I love yeah. the fact Jerry Jeez. Judy was kind of like Suge Knight was back in the day. He said that Sean Puffy Combs dancing all in people videos. Well, Jerry Judy listening to the music that was being played, the pregame hype music at Arrowhead Stadium, was all in his camera shot, dancing right behind him and right in front of him. And I respect Steve Smith Sr. for what he said to Jerry Judy and apologizing to him. Yeah. And listen – if you want and you find it upon yourself, because Steve Smith Sr. was that dude 
He was That's that right. smack talker. Yeah. He he talked the talk and walked the walk. You look at him having close to a 15-year NFL career trying to find himself as a Hall of Fame career. And I know that when you do talk that talk and walk that walk, the old Steve Smith Sr. would have smacked Jerry Judy upside his what? head when he had something to say. But as far as what he said on the black-on-black crime, he didn't want to commit that. He wanted to show his professionalism. He wanted to grab, jump on a plane to go to London. Uh-huh. That's what I respect about him. He wanted to go ahead and be contrite and truly apologize to Jerry Judy, and Jerry wasn't having any of that. And then you look at Jerry Judy's numbers. Nick, when he came into the NFL during the COVID year, he had 856 yards receiving with three touchdowns. Not not bad, not good. The next year, you see he dropped off to only 467 receiving yards, no touchdowns. Last season, he had right at – his best career at 972 yards receiving and six touchdowns. Look, Steve Smith is right, man. But He's, is, he is are you still just receiving a guy. money? Are you still getting that value? Because no. Jerry Judy last night, when you look at Jerry Judy's numbers, three catches for 14 yards. He's just a guy. And the Broncos, just a guy, three catches for 14 yards. The Broncos are one in five. I'm just the thing about the whole situation is. He is just a guy when it comes to just star elite wide receiver talent. And now I'm thinking, all right, so, hey, Steve Smith, he's going to go apologize. Look, I said all these things, but you know what? You're playing well. He doesn't accept the apology. Then he goes on to say, don't trade for this guy. He is just a guy. So it's like, okay, what were you really apologizing for if you still believe everything you said, right? He, he was I do commend because him. he really believed that Jerry Judy would accept his apology. But, but Jerry Judy but was just a, basically But it said, wasn't a genuine you, apology, though, right? Huh? It wasn't a genuine apology. Yeah, it was genuine. But how is it genuine if he says, no, nah, I don't accept your apology? And he's like, you know what? You are you are just a guy. Because no one should trade for you. You played those clips in reverse order. Yeah. So you look at what he said first, which yeah. was, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to apologize to you. I mean, I commend the second clip, but I think in that second clip, he was more so just apologizing for his own behavior i i mean he still doesn't mess with jerry judy like nothing that he said was like no uh, me and jerry judy you know what we're good now he was like look maybe i shouldn't have maybe disclosed as much information because you gotta also think you're an nfl analyst steve smith you're not you know a guest on the manning cast right you're here as an nfl analyst so you can't be using you know the code words right you can't be saying you know what I'm saying? It, it came off unprofessional. He apologized for that kind of unprofessional statement and going into that little drama. But him and Jerry Judy still don't mess with each other. So It was a great, dramatic, live version of what went on Good last Good for the night. clicks. And look, I'm I'm, here I was sitting it. here watching the video, and the guy next to him just is like I'm here glancing at the camera like, I uh. It. <laughs> it was great live action last night on NFL Network when you got a chance to see it go live. And, I, I, again, the Broncos still lose for the 16th consecutive time to Kansas City. Still haven't won since Peyton Manning, so that part is tough. Sterling Dixon Jr. will join us next. Alabama Verbal Commit returns to the Toros. This is Reese Dismukes. You're listening to 105.5 WMSB. Welcome back to the final 
Drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Friday, the 13th edition of the Final Drive. And last night we did have some great high school football action. And one of the winners that we have is Sterling Dixon Jr. And Sterling Nick trying to get him on the line with us now. Sterling Dixon Jr. making a return last week for the Spanish Fort Toros after what we thought was a season-ending shoulder injury. The reigning 3A lineman of the year, 20 tackles, 8 solo, 5 tackles for loss, 2.5 sacks. You have 5 quarterback hurries and 1 interception by Sterling Dixon Jr. And if he's able to accomplish this with one good shoulder, folks, imagine what he would be able to do with two good shoulders. And I know he just enjoys playing with his teammates there at Spanish Ford and trying to chase that blue map. Sterling Dixon Jr., welcome to the final drive. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Most definitely. I appreciate you for having me. Absolutely. Sterling, you, you came back a week ago. What was the biggest factor in you coming back? Because when I saw you on the sidelines against Theodore, I saw you hurt yourself, and then you came back into that game, and then you hurt it once again, and then you set out a week or two, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're ready to go. Tell us what, what was the factor in you coming back? Um, honestly, uh, I went to the doctor, got a second opinion, and um, they pretty much told me I could play. They told me to make sure I wore a shoulder brace. And, man, I was I was just ready to get back out there. I was hungry. I thought I lost my whole season, and I just wanted to get back with the guys and pretty much just get to work. Well, you definitely have been putting in work. You missed the game at Daphne, and then you were able to come back last week against St. Paul's for a big 35-6 to win for your Spanish Fort Toros. Last night, you guys win 41-19, to and now you're back to having that same energy and high motor along looking on the other end. You have Cole McConaughey, so you guys, two bookends, and there's not a better duo, if you ask me, in the entire state of Alabama when you look at two bookends. But how much fun was it last night having an opportunity to have 20 tackles and get those two-and-a-half sacks? Um, and I just got to give credit to pretty much the coaching staff and pretty much God. And honestly, playing beside a guy like Cole McConaughey, one of us going to have to get double teamed. So uh, yesterday was my night, and he's going he gonna to have a night soon. So man, it's, it's just fun playing with guys like him. He has a lot of knowledge, um, knows a lot about the game. And honestly, me and him help each other each and every day. Like, it'd be days that we'll go out 5 o'clock in the morning, just go work on Padre. So I enjoy the grind with him. Uh, I appreciate my coaches and teammates. And, man, I can't wait to continue to do it again. Continuing to speak with Sterling Dixon Jr., the reigning 3A lineman of the year in the state of Alabama. And I know that, you know, so many sacrifices made by your parents and yourself and being there at Spanish Ford. Tell us about the emotion, Sterling, really, of when you hurt yourself against Theodore and then getting that second opinion and being cleared. How, how was that emotionally for you? Um, it was a lot on me because I know this is going to be my last time to do it for fun. So when I got cleared, I was just like, man, I got to have fun, got to lighten up. And pretty much in that performance, y'all just see me out there having fun, playing my game, and uh, just just being a kid, honestly. That was really just the biggest thing. I feel, I feel like I uh, lost lost the fun in it, was treating it too much like a business. But 
uh, honestly, I'm, I'm just back to having fun, doing what I love. A kid in the candy store, Sterling Dixon Jr., verbally committed to go to the University of Alabama and play for Nick Saban in the Crimson Tide. Once again, I had the game in which you were injured against Theodore, and I saw the gut and the grittiness that you had and the pain on your face talking to you after that game, knowing the type of pain that you were in, but just being able to, to have that brace to aid and help you and to go out there with your guys, whether it's at practice or whether it's in the game, knowing that, look, I have two more regular season games to boot up for because Spanish Ford in their last week is open on that last week of the regular season. But knowing that you have two more regular season games, one at home and one at Lad Stadium, how does that make you feel knowing that you will be able to put on those pads for those last two games? Man, it feels, it feels great, honestly. Um, I'm, I just thank God. Um, it's, it's, it's been pretty fun. I mean, I'm just going to cheers those two games and just get my all in them, and that's, that's going to be about it. Postseason, anything can happen, that's for sure. And I, I know along this time you've probably talked to a lot of the Alabama coaching staffs, and you're continuing to be a recruiter for the University of Alabama. When's the next trip that you'll be making up to Tuscaloosa? And have you continued to talk to the guys about who are not verbally committed to Alabama, still trying to get them to flip and switch? Um, I'll be there uh, this weekend. And man, I've been talking to a bunch of guys. I've been talking to my teammate, Cole McConaughey. It's a guy that I want to play with again. Um, a few other guys across the state, like um, Bobby Pruitt, uh, my cousin. I've been talking to him pretty much a lot. And, man, it's a, it's a bunch of guys that I want to play with, and I feel like we have a good chance of getting. So I've just been out there recruiting and pretty much just having fun. Well, you definitely, you and your teammates, the Spanish Ford Toros, victorious in a 6A Region 1 matchup last night against the McGill Tulin Yellow Jackets, 41-19 winners. And now you do look at the Spanish Ford Toros being 6-2 and two with a 5-1 and one region record with Robert Steele and Murphy still left on the schedule so you guys are probably in great shape to see a first round home game if you're able to take care of the two games that are in front of you and i know continuing to pile on to your tremendous high school career that you've had as a player so i just want to let you know i salute you for coming back and being able to battle back to what you felt and thought was and i know i thought it was a season-ending injury, but just going back to the love and the joy and the passion of the game and as much passion as you have for the game, I, I love watching you play the game with a bunch of passion with your teammates and want to wish you the best, not only finishing out your Spanish Fort Toros career, but looking forward to seeing what you do at Alabama coming up here in the next few years. Most definitely. I appreciate you. My pleasure. Sterling Dixon Jr. joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Big time win for this Toros program. Chase Smith and the guys are looking at the Region 1 standings right now. Of course, you have Sarah Land at 7-0. and And just with that one loss that they do have within the region. Spanish Fort 5-1 and in the region. So they also, Theodore's 4-1. and so it is a great time and a great situation for them moving forward and having an opportunity to get things done. And 
Plenty of great high school action continued tonight as we'll cover that at 4 o'clock with Al Weeding. Jake Crane, Crane and Company, looking forward to catching up with him and getting his thoughts on clock management, Auburn's matchup with LSU because Jake Crane is deeply embedded to within what the Auburn-LSU rivalry is and does mean. So looking forward to catching up with him for sure. And Zach McKinnell covers the FCS. We'll catch up with him at 4.30 and Matt Moscona at 5 o'clock. Keep those comments and questions coming in the app. We love to hear from you. But coming up next, Jake Crane, Crane & Company, here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. <laughs> Hey, this is Jake Tucker, quarterback at Alabama. And when I'm listening to the radio, I'm listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. It's a fantastic football field Friday edition of the final drive on Friday the 13th, nonetheless. And we were trying to figure it out Mike Myers, you know, coming after you. Not really any great theme music like Freddy Krueger and all, all the other Halloween themes do have. They all run together. They, they all start right. to run together. We, we, we tried. We tried. They now, all start versing each other, you know, in the little <laughs> spinoff movies and stuff. Chucky, we didn't throw him in there. Hey, hey look, I told you, come the 31st, we're going to have the Halloween remix going here on the final drive. And, you know, I, I said that last week, Jake Crane missed out on opportunity to talk with Nick Wiggins, and I said, look, he may come back to, to spook you, but he's a Casper the Friendly Ghost, Nick right. Wiggins, that is. Jake Crane from Crane & Company joins us here on the Final Drive every Friday at 3.30, and we welcome Jake Crane back in. Jake, how's everything going, my friend? Oh, man, it's going great. It's Friday, so uh, I'm always in a good mood. Absolutely. Now, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. I want to go back to last week, and if I may, a $9 million blunder that was made by Miami's head coach against Georgia Tech. Crane, you know, I, I know that you coached your fair share of games, whether it's peewee ball, middle school, high school, college, but $9 million to not know to take a knee and then to go and give up 70 yards with no timeouts, is that not the most or biggest blunder that you've ever seen from a high-value price coach ever? Well, man, like I, my, my question to everybody is, when it comes to the taking a knee part, name an easier decision to make <laughs> as, as a football coach. Or, or I'll do you one better. Name a worse decision that you could possibly make. <laughs> you, you can't. It's, it's that bad. It's that egregious. It's to the point now where if I'm a Miami player, regardless of what got said during this week or the apologies or fruit baskets that were sent or not having to run as many gassers, how can I ever trust you again? Like, it's it just it's that egregious. You know, a guy that – this is the second time he's done it, too, by the way. He did it against Stanford when he was at Oregon. I just don't – I don't understand. Like, somebody explain it to me like, like I'm a three-year-old. Like, you all week, you, you put in all this work in the offseason, the coaches, the players, the training staff, the fans are all following you, and you just pray – that you get to the point where you can take a knee and end the game in the fourth quarter. 
How in the world do you as Mario Cristobal, because that's who the blame falls on, and it should, how do you not just knee it out, man? Just just knee it out. Like, I, I don't get it, and, and I won't get it. And I think one or two things is going to happen this weekend in North Carolina. Either Miami circles the wagons and they go beat them down, or the first little bit of adversity in that game that happens against Miami, they'll fold the tents. But it's egregious. Egregious to the point where if I'm in the press box, I'm threatening to jump out. If, if I'm a coach on the sidelines, I'm threatening to take my shirt off and run to midfield and turn it into just an absolute scene. But at least we'd have won. Yes. You, you, you have to find a way to say, audible as the quarterback. Scott Hunter was sitting right here. You know the legendary Scott Hunter. The one for the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Green Bay Packers said, listen, I'm calling a damn audible. I'm, I'm changing out of whatever OC or head coach called, and I'm having common sense to know I'm running out the clock here by taking a knee. There's no way I'm going to run a play, Jake. No, well, I'm not. It shouldn't get to that point. Like, it, it should never get to that point. As a quarterback, you are programmed to take the call in from the sideline, execute the call to your best abilities. Now, if I, I'm not saying if I was Tyler Van Dyke, I wouldn't have accidentally fallen down after taking the snap or maybe just gotten to delay a game and asked, like, hey, what are we doing? But the fact that even got to that point, the same people that say, oh, well, it wasn't a fumble. Oh, well, the Georgia Tech guy uh, slid before he got to the end zone. It should have never gotten to that point. The bug stops with the guy at the top, and it's Mario Cristobal. So you can try and blame Tyler Van Dyke. You can try and blame the offensive coordinator. You can try and blame Methuselah if you want. But at the end of the day, that falls on the head coach, and that's where it should stay. Well, where we're going to stay is going back to the SEC. I know last week you were like, man, I, I think A&M will be okay, and Bama and them are going to have a great game. Alabama found a way to win the game on the road. You, you only have 23 total yards rushing with two turnovers and 99 yards worth of penalties, but you still win at College Station. And I know Alabama wants to continue to stack on top of what they're continuing to do well these last few weeks and go ahead and get some, some barbecue pork after this is over with. Are you expecting a close contest, Alabama-Arkansas? No, Arkansas can't score. Like, they, they, I mean, yeah, you, you scored against an LSU defense that's got more holes than Camp Greenlake, but, I mean, you, you're not going to do it against Bama. Even if Bama struggles on offense, eventually they're going to score enough points to where this game turns into kind of one that, that's, you know, not decisive at the end. Arkansas is a one-trick pony. Uh, it's, it's a nice trick with K.J. Jefferson. But I tell you what, man, the way this season's going, going into next year, Sam Pittman's about to be on that hot seat. I'm talking about it's going to be hot. We're turning the crock pot up from low to warm. Well, you know, that's the difference in between raw bacon. Some people like their bacon burnt. And as that hot seat nah, continues like to crispy. turn, there you go. I love mine crispy, too, I like a little too, to mine. <laughs> See, Nick says, would you like it, Nick? How you like your bacon? I like a little flop on it. He says too much flop there. And, and look, what has not been a flop 
is the historic Nick Wood, Nick Wood yep. likes sloppy bacon. That, that lines up. <laughs> the, the historical significance of the Tigers versus Tigers that's going to be kind of taken away from us for a moment when we go to divisionless football. There's been some epic rival games, and I know that you're dug in deep to that Auburn culture. And what are you expecting from this Death Valley matchup, 6 o'clock p.m., Tigers versus Tigers? Well, you know, look, the, the Auburn-LSU rivalry is one of the weirdest out there. I mean, we've had fires. We've had earthquakes. We've had crazy finishes. You know, the interception game with Curly Hallman. Um, here's what I think. I think when you look at Auburn's passing offense versus LSU's passing defense, it's like two blind guys in a sword fight. You don't exactly know how it's going to go, but it's probably not going to be pretty. Uh, here's where I worry if you're Auburn. If Auburn does have success on offense and this turns into a track meet, I don't think Auburn can score enough. But the biggest problem is LSU, in my opinion, has the best offense in the country. Auburn has no pass rush. The only way Auburn can get pressure is to bring pressure. And when that happens, you get skinny in the back end. Jaden Daniels, to me, is operating at a very high level. He does run straight vertical and he doesn't slide, which is a bad problem to have. But outside of LSU making a few mistakes, I don't see how Auburn covers this 11.5-point spread. I don't see it. Yeah, I, I want to say that it's either going to be a, a finally a wake-up call of Auburn's offense to where they may score against this deficient secondary of LSU, but I just don't know if it's going to be enough to help the Tigers get over the hump. And one of the games that really I think everyone will have all eyes on is to me, which can kind of decide who's going to be a front runner for Heisman. Oregon and Washington is a dynamic yeah. matchup between two tremendous quarterbacks who have deservedly so got all the hype from a Heisman standpoint. And they know they don't play great defense in the Pac-12. So what are you expecting there from this shootout? Shoot, I think they do this year. This isn't your granddaddy's Pac-12. Uh, I think you got an elite team in Oregon going to face an elite offense in Washington. I've been, I picked Oregon to win the Pac-12 before the season. I picked them to win this game. I think they're a complete team. I think Oregon can go up there and not play their best game offensively and still win. If Washington doesn't play one of their best games offensively, I don't think they can stop Oregon on defense. I like Oregon in this game. I like Dan Lanning's troops in this game. I think the more complete team wins it. Well, I, I think that when you do look at, for Heisman, kicks, if you go back to the Auburn-LSU game, out of those three quarterbacks, when you have – Penix, and then you have Knicks, and then you look at Daniels. Who do you think is going to be sitting on top of that throne there at the end of these three contests or these two contests with these three quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah well, I, I mean, obviously it's it's easy to say that, that you know, the winner of the Oregon-Washington game, whatever quarterback that is, is going to be sitting on top of it, and they will. But if I had to pick one of the three, I'm taking Jaden Daniels. He does the most. Uh, I think he extends the play better than any of those quarterbacks outside the pocket. I think he's a very refined thrower. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. If I was starting a team from scratch with these three quarterbacks, give me JD5. I like that analogy there, and I think he's going to have an opportunity to continue to produce this week. Now, you look at the, the, the loss at home 
by Texas A&M to Alabama. Tennessee trying to continue to find momentum, getting ready and not looking ahead to Alabama in the third Saturday in October. But this one right here is, to me, a very interesting matchup because A&M, even though they weren't in the top 25 with just one loss, that being to Miami, Tennessee wants to continue to go up the ladder there yeah. as from a non-divisional standpoint, it, this game right here is what pure football fans absolutely love because you're still having a fairly good team. Either A&M come away with their third loss or Tennessee come along with their second loss, looking Alabama square in the face. Yeah, it, it may be a, a cross-divisional game, but this is a de facto elimination game for whoever loses this. If A&M loses it, they're out of the West race. If Tennessee loses it, they're out of the East race. I think this game is fascinating because when you look, it is strength versus strength. Tennessee this year has 10 explosive plays in the pass game. Last year at this point, they had 55. Not that Josh Heupel isn't a run-first guy. He's always been a run-first guy. But A&M on defense, in my opinion, against the run, has the best front seven in college football. But if anybody can get anything going in the run game against A&M, it is this style of offense, that fast-paced, up-tempo offense. But make no mistake, Corey, and I said this during the offseason when everybody was talking about Joe Milton's going to be SEC Player of the Year. He hit a golf cart from 90 yards away at the Manning Passing Academy. Can you complete a slant? Can you complete a dig? Can you complete a hitch? That's been his biggest problem. If Joe Milton can make the routine throws routine in this game, Tennessee will win. But that's the biggest question mark. So I do like Tennessee overall at the end of this game. I think their front seven on defense is better than what they showed at Florida. And A&M on the road is basically a disaster, at least under the Jimbo Fisher tenure. Give me Tennessee. Jake, what about our Texas Longhorns, man, after dropping that to Oklahoma? We still yeah. got we still got a chance, man, or, or are they out? Is Oklahoma kind of controlling uh, their own destiny well, now? Well, yeah, Oklahoma controls their own destiny, but there's no divisions in the Big 12. So if they both win out, you're going to get a rematch in the Big 12 championship. I was surprised. It looked like, te like Texas was really tight early. It looked like Quinn Ewers was almost nervous. I mean, you throw that first pick into two-man when the interior defender has inside leverage. That's just not like Quinn. And then you see Sark in the red zone trying to get super-duper cute. Uh, I do think, having said all that, Texas still had an opportunity to win the game. I think Texas plays Oklahoma again in the Big 12 championship, and Texas wins. That's going to be huge. Now, last night, I love the fact that we had baseball and college football on. Don't love the fact that the Braves were eliminated, but when you do uh. see the Braves eliminated, you get a chance to flip over if you're smart and watch a fantastic finish, the true definition of a Hail Mary between Houston and West Virginia. What a fantastic finish to a college football game. Houston throwing close to a 52-yard bomb because it went 52 yards. Officially, the line of scrimmage is 49 yards. But how about that catch by Stephon Johnson getting it done? Yeah, well, it just uh, I just feel like that, that ending of that game was just like the end of every night at Dana, with Dana Holgerson at the blackjack table. <laughs> like, you, right when you think you're out of it, 
it just you hit that you hit that big blackjack to pull you right back in. I tell you what, man, I, I love this football during the midweek. I think it's fantastic. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm a football degenerate, so I love it in general. Uh, but I, this it's it's the reason why you bat the ball down on defense and you don't try and catch it. That's a great example of why you do that. Um, you know, it rips your guts out for Neil Brown and West Virginia, who, if they were able to hold on, would be off to a 5-1 and one start after getting picked to finish last in the Big 12. But I tell you what, man, and it's the best appetizer you could possibly have asked for. What it about really my, was. What about my 4-2 uh, and two Colorado Buffaloes, man? Tonight. You, you believe in tonight? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're playing Stanford, and this isn't a math test. So, yeah, I believe in it. Stanford's awful. <laughs> they are pretty bad, Jake. And hey, well, I, look, look, look. When, when Dion goes to the bowl game. Here we go. Here we <laughs> go. Am I going to have some converted well, believers? going to somehow win the natty now still, right, after <laughs> a big win over Stanford. Look, I'm not saying that. Look, I'm just saying maybe we can go from non-believers to at least agnostic I mean, I've come on here every time and given Dion his flowers, but I'm not coming on here and saying they're going to beat Oregon. No, not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. It'd be a true beat down when you actually look at it for sure. Look, is it, Jake? Let me ask you. Next year is Dion in the college football playoff? Look, I'm not. I, I am not doubting anything that Dion Sanders is going to do after after what they've done this year with with the PR storm it's been. They're going to attack the transfer portal. I mean, they're hotter than Hansel at the Male Model Awards right now. I'm not discounting Colorado, especially going to the Big 12, right? Going to the Big 12 yeah. with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Yeah. I am not discounting Colorado next year. I, I'll ride with you into the midst of ancient Babylon on that one, Nick. All right, sounds good. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up one more game that's going to have Heisman Trophy implications. Still haven't figured out how Southern Cal is not a favorite to beat a Notre Dame team that lost to Louisville. But Caleb Williams, he has a chance to say, look, Y'all are giving it Penix Jr. You're showing love to Bo Nix. You're showing love to, to Daniels. I want to keep that daggum thing. Nissan house, I want to say, look, I'm the first one in a tremendously long time to have back-to-back -back Heismans. Is he able to put it together in Southern Cal, defeat Notre Dame? Corey, well, what do you mean? Every time I turn on the TV, Caleb Williams is on a Wendy's commercial <laughs> or a Nissan Heisman commercial. He's, he's number one in the Heisman odds. They're trying to give this man the Heisman before USC's even done anything. I, I'm on the exact opposite. I'll tell you what. You know what this USC team looks like to me? It looks like every other team that Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch has ever had. Notre Dame, there's no pressure on them now, which isn't what you want. But I'm telling you, Notre Dame may roll these kids. Uh, they may roll them in South Bend on, on Saturday. I'm just telling you, watch out. I think Caleb Williams' Heisman hopes ends this Saturday wow. with a big Notre Dame win. Love it, love it. And for those that don't understand about the Drake curse, you know, we've heard of the Madden curse. Oh. We've heard of the Madden curse, but I know you spent some time on your show and on your podcast talking about the Drake curse. Let let our listeners that don't really know real quick in a minute, is, is the Drake curse going to be real? Because I know as an Alabama I, fan, I felt it. I thought that that curse got lifted with the Toronto Raptors winning the championship. No. no. Well, let me ask you this. If a witch curses you 20 times and 19 out of the 20 the curse hits, 
Which way are you leaning? You're cursed. I know which way I'm leaning. <laughs> the curse cursed. is real. He showed up in Georgia gear. I picked Michigan to win the whole thing. I've never felt better about it. But the only thing that Georgia has going for them, they have a sorcerer of their own, and that's Broccoli Bowers. So watch out. It's going to be a heck of a – it's going to be Gandalf versus Dumbledore. <laughs> love it, Jake. Always love our Fridays with Jake J-Boy Crane. Jake, how can people continue to subscribe to you guys? I know you hit that 100,000 plateau earlier this football season. And for those that want to get their daily dose of not only college football, but just of the sports knowledge that you and your family bring, how can they do so? Yeah, man. Look, if, if you love sports, if you love using sports as an oasis away from the craziness that, that's out there in the world right now and you just want it to be about sports, it's really easy. You just go to YouTube, you type in Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N and Company, just turn it on. We do a live show every weekday morning, 6.30 a.m. Central to 8 a.m. Central. Uh, it stays on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We have live calls and a live chat. We have a great time, man. It's, uh, you know, I, I coached in the Division One level. My brother played at that level. Our other co-host, David Cohn, played quarterback at Michigan. We get into the nitty-gritty, but we have a lot of fun, too. So if you enjoy that, uh, just come over and hang out with us. Jake Crane, Jake J-Boy Crane from Crane & Company, always joins us at 3.30 on Fridays. And we want to thank you so much for partnering up with here, us here on the final drive. You have a great, fantastic football field, not only Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Look, eat, breathe, and you know what? Seven days out of the week, football, football, and more football, Jake. Hey, appreciate it, guys. Y'all do an unbelievable job. I love coming on here every Friday, and y'all enjoy the football weekend. Jake Crane joining us this afternoon on the final drive. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Showtime boxing analyst Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP. to the final drive and look we were talking Alabama Arkansas and if you want to watch that game and really any other game that's going on at that time that early slate come on out to the outsider downtown mobile off Cedar Street watch it with us look they got 22 TV so you can watch any game they got the insider next door and get anything you want to eat you can walk out of there with a WNSP t-shirt you can win an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault you can also enter their drawing to potentially win some iron bowl tickets they even got some drink specials of their own. I mean, look, it's the place to be. I know Corey's going to be there. I'm going to try and make it out there. That's the Outsider Downtown Mobile, Alabama versus Arkansas. Come watch it with us. And look, in the app, me and a couple guys, man, we're getting into it. I'm not going to say getting into it, but, you know, the argument is Jerry Judy, man, he hasn't had a quarterback. Well, a lot of elite wide receivers haven't had good quarterbacks their whole career. You know, we, th I, I threw out uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and they said, Nick, he had Deshaun Watson. Well, he did toward the end, but he also had Ryan Mallett. You remember him? Yep. He also had Brian Hoyer, Case Keenum, but old Matt Schaub. And he still did. I talked about Larry Fitzgerald. They said, hey, he had Kurt Warner. Yeah, for five years. And Larry Fitzgerald, he played like 15, 16 years. And he was always getting, you know, over 1,200 yards. He did that with Kevin Cobb. If you're an elite wide receiver, I mean, look at Odell with old Eli Manning. 
If you're an elite wide receiver, you're going to get your numbers. Jerry Ju Judy is just another guy, just like Steve Smith said. Devontae Smith's been in the league three years, already has 14 touchdowns. And Jerry Judy's been in the league. Even though it's from a different quarterback, it's still he's produced. And that's what's important. And we're going to produce next with our next guest, Al Whedon, MCPSS Television Network, joining us next to start our number two of the final drive. The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win. the final drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. Welcome to hour number two of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Friday the 13th football field frenzy edition of the final drive. And just a reminder that on Monday morning, the opening kickoff, they will be coming to you live from Wing Fingers on Cottage Hill starting at 6 a.m. And the public is invited to register for two tickets for the Alabama-Tennessee game. And a winner will be announced Thursday morning on WNSP. So you want to make sure that you stop by Wing Fingers and hang out with Lee Shervanian and Mark Heim and get a little bit of an opportunity to get some great breakfast in your belly along with Register for Alabama-Tennessee game tickets that will be announced Thursday on WNSP. And you need to be listening up after we finish up with Al Weeding. You'll have an opportunity to pick seven games. We'll take caller number one, the first caller, after we finish up with this interview. And you'll have a chance to pick out of Oregon, Washington, Florida, South Carolina, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Southern Cal, Notre Dame, in the NFL, Washington, Atlanta, New Orleans at Houston, and on Monday night, Dallas at the L.A. Chargers. And 6-1 and one is the record to beat. Nick and I, we love our Chick-fil-A probably more than Lee Shervanian does, and we want that Chick-fil-A platter to come here to us. And we want you to get those SEC championship tickets. That's what you're calling in to do, to qualify. You have to go 6-1. and one and beat Bill. So, so far, Bill is leading the clubhouse with his 6-1 and one record. And those are the games that you'll be able to choose from here when we finish up after we talk with my broadcast partner on the Mobile County Public School System Television Network. We have a top 10 matchup tonight. It's our second top 10 7A matchup. The battle of West Mobiles going down in Sims, Alabama, Al Whedon. I know we are prepared and ready for a great contest tonight. Well, Cora, we are, and this is actually our third top 10 matchup, 7A. We had Baker and Dalton a couple weeks ago, brother, so this this is number three. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're making so much history, it can, it can slide by you sometimes, you know what I'm saying? So this is our third one. And I'm just going to say it, Cora, this is the game of the year. I'm going to put it on out there. Uh, number four, MGM. Number seven, Baker. They're both undefeated in region play. And the winner tonight is pretty much going to kind of hold the catbird seat in region one because it does get a little interesting. Baker has a bye next week, and then they're going to play Fairhope. MGM plays Daphne next week, 
and then they're going to play one more game, and that's going to wrap up their season because they have a bye in the final week. Daphne only has one region loss, and tonight they play Fairhope, and they're going to play Mary Montgomery, and then they're going to play Foley. So there's a possibility that could be a three-way tie for first place at the end of the season. But it all starts tonight because both of these teams are undefeated. Someone's going to take a loss. I'm expecting we're going to have a great contest tonight out in Sam. Extra seating being brought out for the Battle of Westmobile. And one year ago, we were able to witness history by the MGM Vikings. And you go back and you look at the amount of games that have won, won consecutively in the regular season by the MGM Vikings. I think they're at number 13 because they end the regular season last year on a six-game winning streak. And here it is. They start off this season undefeated. But we saw the jubilation that the MGM and the Sims community had out at Baker one year ago. Could it possibly finally be back-to-back -back years for the Vikings? Could it be? And ironically, they're on a 13-game regular season winning streak. And oh, by the way, Corey, today is Friday the 13th. So, oh my goodness, what could be in store for the Viking faithful. As you said, they brought out extra seating. Uh, I think this is going to be similar to the Theodore Sarah game we did last year when it came down to that was winner take all. Whoever won that game was going to win the region. I think it will be like that in this sense. It's going to be standing room only. I think they, they'll probably just to let everyone in and line the fences and line the track. You know, kind of like back in the day when Blunt and Vigil would play at Preacher Stadium. You have people just hanging on the wall, you know. I think it's going to be that big tonight. Uh, this is monumental. This is huge. Both of these teams have not been this good together at the same time ever this late in the season. So, you know, Baker's off to their best start since 2014. Uh, and that was the last year Jack French was there. So, so recently, Baker's kind of been doing a bit better than MGM has, I'm going to say in the past decade. But throughout the years, we all know what we've said about MGM throughout the years. They put up a couple over 10s. They haven't been undefeated since 1965. And the head coach then was Charles Leverett. Oh, by the way, that's who the field is named after we're going to play on tonight, Charles Leverett Field. So that's how long we're talking about for MGM, man. It's, it's Since 65, they went 10-0. That's their only ever undefeated season. They've never started a regular season 7-0. This is going to be a huge ball game, Corey. It really is, and I know it, it's huge for so many different reasons you just mentioned because Baker – really does control its own destiny. This head-to-head -head win, if they're able to go ahead and end MGM's winning streak and secure that Battle of Westmobile trophy, because there is a big-time trophy that's involved in this, and the folks in Sims had never really had a chance here within the last 15, 16 years to even know what it looked like. So now yeah. to try to even take that back and let it stay in Sims. There, there's a new addition to the Sims field right there that we're going to see tonight and debut on the MCPSS television network that the folks at MGM can take tremendous pride in and you see the growth of their program. But anytime you have to bring in additional seating, tickets sold out, standing room only, you know that it's one of those matchups that really are key to 
rebuilding a program and sustaining a program, it's kind of the tale of two schools is what we're dealing with tonight. And you have two elite Division One quarterbacks, something you don't see at all on a week-to-week basis either because Josh Flowers and Jared Hollins, two of the best in the entire state of Alabama, and when you look at their numbers, are compared to some of the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, it really is. Uh, currently right now, Josh Flowers is the number one player in the state of Alabama with total yards. Uh, he has over 2,500 total yards as a player. Um, uh, uh, Jared Hollins putting up great numbers, like over 1,600 yards he's thrown through the air. Uh, it's unreal. They're both they're both like ranked in top ten quarterbacks. So, you know, Hollins is going to South Alabama, and Flowers is going to Mississippi State. I mean, you have two top-notch guys, but their offenses are so high potency. Uh, I mean, they're both averaging over 30 points a ball game. So they have weapons to throw them to as well, like Josh uh, James Bolton over there uh, at MGM, and he got Bryce Kane and Bryce Kane and KJ Beckham at Baker. So the weapons that they can throw it to is great, but then they have the ability to run themselves and, and, and make holes and make things happen. Uh, so it, it's really going to be great to see these guys go. And they're both senior quarterbacks. We've kind of We've kind of watched Hollins come into his own the past two years, but you and I have personally watched Flowers start from a sophomore against that second game against Theodore when he came in and just burst on the scene into what he is now. So it's like you're watching, you know, as you like to say it, the flowers are blooming. You kind of watch, you've kind of seen that with Josh Flowers. So tonight, I mean, I'm expecting a real high-potency ball game. I'm going to give the edge to MGM. They have a very stout defense. They're fast. They're physical. They're tough. They're only giving up eight points a ball game. On the other side, Baker's giving up 24 points a ball game. So you got to kind of give a slight edge to MGM there. Plus, they're playing at home, too. So they're going to have the home crowd behind them. But, Corey, we've seen it happen before, man. You can throw the records out the window. This is a community battle. This is a rivalry. This is a battle West Mobile. It's like the, the little iron bowl here in West Mobile. So you kind of throw it all out the window, man. You know, if it's 76 or, or 77 to 76, I'm expecting we're going to have a good game tonight. Well, let everyone know, because this is the game to tune into, whether you want to do it on the multiple platforms that are available, Facebook, YouTube, Roku. Let everyone know the channel that they can watch it on or how they can stream this matchup tonight. It's a big-time 7A Region 1 matchup. Oh, yeah, I'm calling it I'm calling it the game of the year. So if you're an Xfinity customer, that's Channel 15. If you're on Mediacom, that's Channel 81. Your ATT Uverse, that's Channel 99. If you have a Roku smart TV or a Roku-enabled TV or a Roku device, kind of like a Fire Stick from Amazon, if you have one of those, just simply go to your search panel and search for MCPSS TV, and you can watch the game through your Roku device. Or if you've cut the cord through the boxes out the window and say you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, just simply watch us uh, on stream. You can watch us on YouTube. You can watch it on Facebook Live as well. Uh, just simply search MCPSS TV Network on Facebook or YouTube. You can watch us that way. I'm telling you, it's the game of the year, Corey. I'm looking forward to it. Plus, here's another thing. I, I called our buddy Kimberly Dunn, and I asked her to bring her fire. Remember, she used to be a fire twirler back in the day, so I'm seeing if she's going to bring her fire tonight and bring it out for MGM tonight, Corey. 
Absolutely love it and looking forward to it because there's going to be fireworks out in Sims, Alabama tonight. The Battle of West Mobile. Can't wait to broadcast that with you, Al, on the MCPSS television network, and we'll see you shortly. We sure will. Thank you, brother. Coming up next, when we get back on the air, we're going to take caller number one. Not during the break, but as soon as you hear my voice, yeah, once right. again, I see the, on the phone other side lighting break, up right now. I'm not answering it. That's right. Not answering the phone right now. As soon as I come back and I let you know it's time to go ahead and qualify for your chance to win that pair of SEC tickets, courtesy of Pigskin Pete, you'll know when it's time to call and pick those seven games. We'll take caller number one when we come back from this break here on the final drive. Hey, this is David Morris of QB Country. When I'm in my car, I always have it tuned into 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5-251-694-1055. Nick Wiggins taking the first caller. The first caller who calls in will have an opportunity to pick the seven games for college, three NFL for a chance to qualify for an opportunity to go to the 2023 SEC championship game. And we know that that's going to be a barn burner no matter who is in it. And all you have to do is go six and one, go six and one, which is seven and oh as well. You can have an opportunity to qualify for those tickets. And so far, six and one is the record to beat. And Nick, who do we have that, that's going to get a chance to qualify? We got my guy, John, on the line. John. Thank you for tuning in and listening to The Final Drive. How are you doing this evening? Good. How are you? I'm blessed by the best, John. Thank you for asking and thanks for calling and tuning in. You ready to go 6-1 and one or 7-0, and oh, my friend? I'm ready to give it a try. All right, John. Now, we need you to do more than try, man. We need you to say Ooh, and with confidence, man. You got to believe, brother. You got to believe that you're going to do it. Do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> See, you got Yoda in the I building believe. now. So there you go. There is no try. There's just win right here. Here we go, John. All right, John. Oregon at Washington. I'll go with Washington. Going to go at Washington, the home team. All righty. Florida at South Carolina. I'll go with South Carolina. At South Carolina, he's going with the Beamer ball. Texas A&M at Tennessee. Uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M. He likes Jimbo Fisher to go on the road and get things done. Southern Cal at Notre Dame. Go uh, Southern Cal. Southern Cal. You like the reigning Heisman Trophy winner to beat Notre Dame. Here we go with some NFL action for you, John. Washington okay. at Atlanta. Washington at Atlanta. Uh, I better go with Atlanta. There you go. You just made Nick Wiggins' day, there the Dirty Birds. One, I know you got one right. Yeah, there we go. New Orleans and Houston. <laughs> <laughs> New Orleans and Houston. Uh, New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay, all right. I like that. The Saints bouncing back again on Monday night. Dallas. At the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I 
have to go Chargers. All right, so you're going to give them the home field advantage. Now, I'm going to give you a recap here, John, of your picks. You like Washington over Oregon, South Carolina over Florida, Texas A&M over Tennessee, Southern Cal over Notre Dame, Atlanta over Washington, New Orleans over Houston, and the Chargers of L.A. over the Dallas Cowboys. Sounds good. All right, John. We want it to sound good when we're announcing you as our new clubhouse winner here. If you go 6-1 and one or 7-0, and oh, you will have an opportunity to be our latest qualifier for the Pigskin Pete SEC championship game tickets. So you can hold on to that record as long as no one beats your 6-1 and one or 7-0 and oh record. If you have all these picks correct, you will go ahead and win those tickets. So we're pulling for you now. You know, the the, 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 the final drive wants you to be that winner, okay? Okay. John, thank you so much for tuning in to the final drive. Appreciate you. Okay, thank you. War Eagle. John with the little War Eagle. We know who he's rolling with. He's going to go with the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, well that, over that the wasn't LSU on the Tigers. list, was it? Huh? That wasn't on the list as a game to pick. No, I mean Pigskin stayed away from that one. Mm, interesting. I, I don't. I don't blame him for staying away from that one. Uh, you know, you do have some other great matchups to choose from. You know, I think I, because I'm pretty sure the morning show qualifier, he picked the Chargers on Monday night as well, mm -hmm. because you know you said home field advantage. The Chargers, they don't have home field advantage. Every time they play a game in L.A., that stadium is filled with the away team's fans and I mean Dallas Cowboy fans they're all over the country that's going to be a home game for the Cowboys coming off that Niners game I think the Cowboys are going to win by 10 points well I know this much if they don't that Dak Prescott pressure cooker is going to be even more brutal Trey Lance going to be getting ready it's going to be turned up for sure now we mentioned tier one tier two and tier three NFL quarterbacks yesterday on the show as far as what Dak and where Dak Prescott is located from a tier standpoint. And d tier two at best, Dak Prescott. Herbert, is he a tier two or tier three quarterback? He just got paid. I'm not the biggest Herbert guy because he hasn't accomplished anything yet. Um, I mean, if we're saying tier one is top ten, yep. then yeah, you're tier one. All right. If well, that's how we're breaking it down, by t if there's only three tiers. Let's take a look here, Nick, at these picks ourselves okay mm -hmm. we'll go into oregon at washington Penix jr bo nix i got oregon going all the way man i think they're gonna go and make mm. it to the playoffs i don't know what they're gonna do in the playoffs but i think they're gonna get there if any team can handle my colorado buffaloes in the way that they did they're destined for big things well just not so fast <laughs> my friend because uh -huh. you haven't seen the huskies i ain't worried about no huskies yet. man i ain't worried about no washington okay all Oregon got the defense. I'm going. You're going Oregon. I'm going Washington. So I'm going to go Washington right there. Florida and and look, Michael Bronner used to send us these picks. He just gave he up fell on it. Off. So yeah. so what we'll do is we'll we'll go with Pigskins picks. All right, yeah. And we'll compare our record. Okay. On, on, on it'll have to be Tuesday because there is a Monday night game. Florida at South Carolina. Who you like? Mm, I like South Carolina. I think. I think Florida, Florida's just so up and down. I think South Carolina, the way that they, I feel like they play competitive with every, every team. 
So I'm going to go South Carolina as well. Beamer ball, ETN, if he can ever get the running game going, he's always a dangerous weapon, but I don't want to roll the dice and gamble on that, so I'm going South Carolina. A&M and Tennessee, and that game at Tennessee. That's tough, man. Yeah. That's a coin flip. Um, I don't know. What are you what are you going with? You know what? I'm going to go because the game is in Knoxville, little Rocky Top. They'll always be good to me. Yeah. Except on the third Saturday in October. I'll, I'll go Tennessee. I mean, if A and M couldn't handle their business at home, now they're going to Tennessee where they're gonna be going crazy. Um, it's a must win game for Tennessee. Yeah, I'll, I'll rock with the volunteers. All righty. So let's take a look at Southern Cal at Notre Dame. Notre Dame loses to Louisville. No one saw that one coming. Notre Dame defeated Duke and then turned around, and it wasn't a trap game. It was just a game that they fell flat on their faces in. Do you like them to bounce back against Caleb Williams? Notre Dame is going to win this game. Notre Dame, and I am going to rock with, as bad as I hate to say it, Southern Cal, because I think Caleb Williams wants to go ahead and try to find See, a I way think to keep USC is better at quarterback. Notre Dame is better at every other position. Yeah, they, they, they've had some tough games. So let's see right here. Washington at Atlanta. That's, That's probably That's Atlanta. No brainer. That's Atlanta right there, right there for Nick Wiggins. And I'm also even though Washington has been playing good. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it's a tough game. Yeah. Howells looked great. They'll keep you in it. Keep Their you active. Their defense is, you know, pretty good. Let's take a look. New Orleans at Houston. You look at what D'Amico Ryans has been able to do here. They, they, they slipped up a little bit last week, but you like the Saints and Derek Carr to, to go to Houston I like, and handle business? Look, I love what Houston's doing. I like C.J. Stroud, but I think that the Saints' defense might be just a little much. Uh, for him at this point in his career. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's a big difference. I think the line's like one and a half. But I, I got to roll with the Saints. Well, let's look at this final one. Dallas at the Chargers. I, a little I, Monday night. And you say you yeah, like the you Cowboys. On that. Yeah, I think they're going to win big. A big win by Dallas. All right, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys as well. So we do differentiate there on two games. You like Oregon. Mm -hmm. I like Washington in that situation and you like Notre Dame and I like USC so that's where we're going to go there in regards to our picks and we'll keep everyone updated for sure on Tuesday and see how things go on the final drive and you know I, I, I'm hoping my picks are a little bit better than what my fantasy football is looking at right now I was able to finally get a win in our fantasy football league here at WNSP because finally had everybody healthy and put the right lineup together and was able to get that big time win but love the fact that we do have differences of opinions on a couple of those games and we'll be able to yeah. to see where that record stands for sure yeah man i mean look i think the that louisville game for notre dame i think that was just a fluke game uh usc they've been playing in some close games their defense is not good um I think Notre Dame's going to be angry, and I think they're going to take it out on USC. Well, we'll definitely see what happens in regards to that. Now, I know that there are some exciting games between Auburn and LSU, and if you're excited about Alabama and Arkansas homecoming, who do you like, Auburn and LSU? Mm, 
I got to go with LSU. They got, they, I think they got the best offensive player in the SEC, man. And I know LSU. Auburn's defense is good, but Listen, I think it's LSU It's going to be a should, good game. It it's going to be, be one to where I think that Auburn fans will be sticking around in front of the television for all four quarters. This can be the game, though, to build up LSU's defense's uh, confidence again. You know, we know that this passing game is weak. LSU's got a weak secondary. So, I mean, we'll see who wins in that battle. But I, I like LSU to kind of jump back and potentially win, uh, you know, pretty confidently so you do like that and of course i know you're going alabama over arkansas right definitely definitely all right zach mckinnell coming up next hello this is artist daniel a moore you are listening to wnsp sports radio welcome back to the final drive of wnsp 105.5 the friday the 13th edition of the final drive no i'm not superstitious just throwing that date out there for you and it's a football field frenzy edition of the final drive because we have you covered all the way up until midnight pigskin pete will be bringing you his scoreboard show right after we finish up and it's a double dip tonight nick you like football high school wise we got you covered here on wnsp and on the crab as well that's right man look i'm gonna be listening to the broadcast i'm gonna have your game up on the facebook live i'm gonna be watching colorado on the uh youtube tv man i'm all my senses are going to be activated. I just need to find something to eat while I watch yeah, it. Yeah, you got to have some great vittle while you do that. And, you know, this past week we did have the Gulf Coast Challenge, which brought Jackson State and Alabama A&M to the Port City for an entire half week of festivities that culminated in a beautiful day's work of football. And kudos to Tim Hale and his group. But when you start looking at FCS football zach mckinnell owner of fcs football central and writes for the blue bloods and contributed at aplon sports and hero sports fcs he week to week he covers fcs schools and we want to welcome zach mckinnell to making his debut here on the final drive zach how's everything going man doing good i appreciate you guys for having me man it's our pleasure to welcome you here and your tremendous work and continuing to promote FCS programs. And we'll jump right into the SWAC and how things are going because you see Deion Sanders' departure, but you still see Jackson State continue its winning ways with their new head coach. And there's some other great SWAC programs. Again, coming to the Port City, you have Alabama State and grambling coming to mobile on november 4th but keep our listeners up to date on what's going on in the swack right now yeah i think there was a lot of people curious on what the future of jackson state was going to be without coach promise as he departed to colorado they, they had a big turnover of the roster they did have the number one transfer portal class in the fcs and they had the number two recruiting class among FCS schools. So T.C. Taylor, you know, coaching his alma mater now, has done an excellent job. They're sitting at four and two, have a have a big homecoming game against Alabama State this weekend. And you're looking at, the, they're kind of in a similar spot that Florida A&M was the past two years as Florida A&M lost to Jackson those, those last two years under Coach Prime. And 
They made the playoff run in 2021 and missed the playoffs just barely last season. They're looking at Jackson now. They're, they're looking forward, and hopefully they can win out and get to 9-2 and two and, and possibly make a run at the FCS playoffs. It would be the first time since 1997 that Jackson made that appearance in the FCS playoffs. It's looking like FAMU has full control of the East, man. Willie Simmons, Jeremy Musa, they've done an excellent job. The defense is loaded with talent. Anthony Dunn, Jr., Kendall Bowler, some of those guys. But I think there's going to be an interesting matchup, like you mentioned, in Mobile in a few weeks. Grambling State, Alabama State facing off. Uh, that's an interesting game for people who don't know. The starting quarterback at Grambling State, Miles Crawley, transferred out of Alabama State this offseason, went down to Grambling. So he, he gets to have a shot at revenge against his former team. And then, of course, Hugh Jackson always brings a lot of storylines with him as the head coach of Grambling State. And Grambling with a loss to Alcorn this past weekend, they're going to need the win to stay in, the, stay in a chaotic Swack West race where there's four teams, Corey, that are within half a game of having the lead of that of that division. So that's going to be an important game for Graham, but I know Miles probably is going to be looking to get some revenge. When we start looking in Mobile and Baldwin County for talent and the Swack teams find a way to come into the port city and find some of this great talent and some of this great talent finds the swack. And I know that this past week, Alabama A&M had CJ young from Daphne high school, who I feel like has been at Alabama A&M forever, but he was able to come in and produce and get on the scoreboard for the Alabama A&M Bulldogs. But it's just not him. You look at people like Chris Davis coming from Southern university and Baker high school, one of the premier shutdown defensive backs a year ago and continue to stack and build upon that. We have so many great athletes from this Mobile Baldwin County area that are doing great things at the FCS level. Yeah, I, I think I think it's an under-recruited area still. It, you know, we hear all the success stories, the former NFL players, the college superstars that come from here. But, Corey, me and you both know, I mean, I went, I graduated from Baker. You've covered the high school scene now. I mean, we can probably name 10, 15 guys off the top of both our heads that we probably thought should have got a shot at a higher level or even got a shot at the next level who, who maybe got lost in the recruiting process or whatever it may have been. But you mentioned Christian Davis. I had a chance to talk to him this offseason, and that's a guy who easily could have transferred from Southern, really waited his turn for three, four years, went through three coaching changes in three years at Southern. When, when you look at uh, Dalton Odom's taking the Norfolk job, they had an interim head coach in the year after, and then, and then Dooley comes in where he stays now. That's a guy who was, he was one of the highest-rated defensive backs in the SWAC last year, really had a breakout year, two picks, eight pass breakups. It's having an outstanding year this year as well. You mentioned C.J. Young as, as well. This has really been his breakout season. But I think I would like to see more SWAC teams, more FCS teams in general recruit this area. And I think a, a Mobile native it, it himself and Brent Deerman up in North Alabama, I had the chance to talk to him at UAC Media Day. And he, was, he, he said that, his recruiting pipeline is going to come from Mobile. He said there's he said that we should be able to compete recruiting the Port City, the two five one, and we're gonna make that our prime recruiting spot. And I think you're already seeing them doing that. As they already I believe they already have a commitment out of Mobile. They're they're on a lot of watch lists for a lot of kids in the city. So I, I think as we see more coaches matriculate out of this area, you're gonna see some of these teams really start to take advantage of the large amounts of talent that we have in the city. And when you do look at the FCS, when it comes down to 
not only here locally, you mentioned Coach Deerman, you have in the SIAC, we know our own coach from Blunt High School. Coach Aaron is the head coach at Tuskegee. So there's so much great talent throughout this state. And there are so many schools, whether it's West Alabama, North Alabama, and, of course, power. You have South Alabama being right there in the Sun Belt Conference. But whether it's North, South, East, and West, throughout this entire state, whether it's at Miles or Tuskegee or, you know, formerly at Birmingham Southern when they were up and running with the football program, so many opportunities for so many former players that are now coaches to, to make themselves have a known name in FCS football. And I think you're seeing a lot of those coaches are successful. I mean, you look at Sanford up in Birmingham, made a run to made a run deep into the playoffs um, last season. I think you're looking at even at the D2 level, look at Tuskegee. They're tied for the for, for the lead in the SIAC, I mean Benedict's a problem. I think everyone got to see what that team is about on ESPN two last night as they just demolished Fort Valley State. But then look at Miles too, knocking off Alabama State. They were one point away from upsetting Arkansas Pine Bluffs. They played Benedict extremely close, and Benedict coming into that game was only allowing two points per game over over the first five games of the season. So that Benedict team's elite. So I think Miles and Tuskegee have a chance to get back to that SIAC championship and compete at that D2 level, possibly make a D2 playoff run. But North Alabama is already succeeding under Deerman. They, they played Mercer in that FCS kickoff game to, um, in week zero really close. They got a big upset win over Chattanooga. And you kind of look at their schedule They've played either a ranked team or a team receiving votes in the FCS 25 every single week but one. And they've been competitive in most of those games. So Coach Deerman has really tested his team. It's his first season. I think he can build something special. I, I think when you look back at the history of North Alabama and you look at how dominant they were at the Division II level, I mean, they were a blue blood Division II program competing for national championships year in and year out. That program has really hit a wall recently. And I think bringing guys like Deerman in, and he goes and gets the Mobile native Deshaun Davis, former Auburn linebacker to coaches linebackers, brings in Carrion Johnson as the director of player personnel, Jake Bentley, who spent time at South Carolina and South Alabama as the quarterback coach. There's a lot of Alabama talent on that staff, and I think you're going to start seeing it pay off once Deerman gets that program kind of building some momentum over this next year or two. Each and every day, Zach McKinnell bringing you FCS information. And, yes, football, football, and more football. Jake Crane said it earlier to where, listen, I don't want to hear you talk about the number of matchups or there's not any football on television. It doesn't matter who's playing. It is football. We have to wait seven or eight months to get our fair share. And when you do look on ESPN2 or ESPNU and you do see those FCS schools, it's quality football with some guys that can play and just need an opportunity to be seen and showcased. Now, Zach, if everyone wants to follow your FCS coverage, and I know you rank them 1 through 25. You have your, your game of the week for SCS schools listed as Idaho versus Montana. That's a top 25 matchup in the FCS level. How can everyone continue to follow you and to learn more about FCS football? Because I look forward to you being a regular guest here on the final drive. I appreciate you having me. Uh, you can find me on social media as Zach McKinnell. You can follow all our FCS coverage at FCS Football Central on Sports Illustrated and FanNation.com. And we have a we have a uh, two two times a week a weekly show with Coach uh, 
Leroy Frederick, wide receiver coach, assistant head coach down at Alcorn State. Me and him do a recap, preview every week on YouTube, all podcast streaming platforms called The Blue Blood. And, Corey, man, I appreciate you having me, and I definitely look forward to jumping back on here with you and, and talking some FCS football later this year. Absolutely. Zach McKinnell joining us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Listening to Lee and Mark. Well, you can do more of that on Monday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. They'll be at Wingfingers on Cottage Hill Road starting at 6 a.m. And the public is invited to register for two tickets for the Alabama-Tennessee game, the third Saturday in October. I've already got my cigar ready, Nick. Yeah, I'm ready, yeah. but I know I tomorrow. You get to light it. Hey, hey listen, <laughs> the thing is, the biggest thing is that with being able to register for that Alabama-Tennessee game, the winner will be announced Thursday morning on the opening kickoff on WNSP. You don't want to miss an opportunity to chop it up and eat a little breakfast with Lee and Mark 6 to 9 a.m. this coming Monday they'll be broadcasting from Wing Fingers on Cottage Hill now you know I know that we do have Alabama and Arkansas the watch party yeah. I will be there tomorrow for sure looking forward to everyone coming out and joining us there having a chance to get that future ones WNSP t-shirt that we have, mm -hmm. get some great drinks, some great food, great day of college football on deck for sure. That's right, man. A lot of games going to be going on. Basically, the whole early slate, and look, you can stay as long as you want. I mean, they ain't going to throw you out. Nah, so not, not going to the happen games. there. It, uh, it's going to be a great time look, at ball. Look, Corey, we opened up the show talking about the Steve Smith. I think every sports show across America has played that audio clip where he basically called out Jerry Judy, said he was just a normal guy, tries to go apologize to Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy says, I don't mess with you. Steve Smith really went into detail on the expletives. That's where I think it was a little much. Like, Jerry, you just said that he, just say he was, I mean, Steve Smith, just say he was rude to you. You know, like, you didn't have to. He kept explain, it real. You'd have to explain to your co-host what ninja meant. He, he like, kept, they had no clue. <laughs> I know, they but had I was no like, clue. oh, my gosh. Uh, and then Steve Smith comes back, and he says, look, I'm out here making a clown of myself, making a clown of him. You know, it, it ain't this worth my time. Nah. It ain't worth my time. Like, nah. we don't mess with each other. That's obvious, but it ain't worth my time. When you look at the numbers and Steve Smith's numbers through his first four years, as compared to okay. Jerry Judy's numbers through his first four years. You tell me where Carolina had an elite quarterback throwing to Steve Smith. No, I can't. I, can't, I don't even – I can't even remember back to who was the quarterback before yeah, Cam hey, Newton. Does it matter? Because, again, unless you are you, a Pro Bowl quarterback, Steve Smith still was able to put up great numbers. Yeah, see, elite wide receivers can get big numbers. It doesn't matter who is throwing the ball to you. And that is why Jerry Judy is just an average guy. He's just not 
that good. Now, he's a number one wide receiver on an NFL team, but he also was a first-round pick, and if you're dropping a first-round pick on a wide receiver, you're hoping for a generational-type talent. Now, I will give Jerry Judy credit for this. Steve Smith really hit his pinnacle right around his fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth year in the league. And the older he got when it was his ninth and tenth year, he's still having over 1,000 yards receiving. And that's hard to do. And the best of Jerry Judy, to me, is still in front of him. As long as he still has a passion and a desire, he didn't control where he went, which was to the Denver Broncos. Whether he wanted to go to Denver or not, Denver wanted him. And that's why they spent the first-round draft pick on Jerry Judy. And he showed on his college film what he's capable of doing and how fast he is in the Jets that he has been one of the top 15 wide receivers of all time at the University of Alabama. And Steve Smith, again, came in and through his first four years had 10 touchdown catches. And Jerry Judy now only has nine so far through his first four years. So the similarities there are very Mm – it's mirror image, right? Um, But I do think Jerry has a chance – to go ahead and see his best football, kind of like Jim Nagy was suggesting to you that Ritter's best football is in front of him in Atlanta. Yeah, but big difference between Ritter having played seven NFL games and Jerry Judy being in his fourth year in the NFL. Most NFL players don't even make it four years. So, I mean, I guess in that regard, good job. But he's just nothing special. He is nothing special. Um, You know, Like if you had an elite running back and you drafted him in the first round, I mean, he's going to put up numbers. You would hope that he's he looks amazing. You wouldn't say, oh, well, look at the offensive line that he's running behind. No, if you're good, you're good. Jerry Judy is in. He's the wide receiver version of Najee Harris. Najee Harris ain't good either. You don't think Najee Harris is going to pan out in the NFL? Nope. Your best. I mean, going back through history, your best years as a running back are like your first three years. That's when you're as fast as you're going to be, as spry and as injury-free as you're ever going to be. Najee Harris, man, he gets a step slower every year. I mean, I don't know if he's had over 40 rushing yards this year yet. He looks, he just doesn't make quick moves. Najee, no, Najee ain't good. Judy ain't good. Well, at least that Steve Smith can give it from a wide receiver perspective because that's the same position that he played it with for close to 15 years in the NFL and was very successful. So I don't know if you are in a situation to where if you're Jerry Judy, you're not going to get any better and you're not going to ever hit the 1,000-yard receiving plateau. Like, Look at Garrett Wilson. Zach... Wilson was his quarterback last year, and he still ended up getting offensive rookie of the year. That's who everyone says is the worst quarterback in the NFL, Mm -hmm. but he still put up numbers. Now, if Jerry Judy played for the Chargers, would he all of a sudden be great? I don't even know if Jerry Judy's better than Mike Williams, the number two wide receiver in L.A. I don't know. And and I I just want to see Jerry Judy reach – his own potential and I don't think he's done that yet within his four years Steve Smith kind of pumping his brakes on going in on him a little wide receiver crime being committed 
wide receiver talking about a wide receiver. He just wants to see him be better than just a guy. And Jerry Judy had a chance to prove that last night. Didn't do it. Not even 60 yards receiving. So Jerry Judy, his best football is in front of him. The Broncos are horrible. And we'll see if Jerry Judy can continue to get better as this season does evolve and pick up those numbers. The final drive, our number three coming up. The Sound of Mobile presents for the win. The final drive. No, they didn't. Oh my gracious! Yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win. Yes. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable! Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Nick Wiggins on this fabulous, fantastic, don't call it Friday the 13th football field Friday because I don't believe in those type of superstitions. And I know our next guest, Matt Moscona, you can listen to him on ESPN Baton Rouge. He's going to give us some great insight on the Auburn-LSU game this weekend. Of course, Auburn coming off that bye week and competing against Georgia and taking them and giving them all they can handle. LSU, have they got things remedied and are going to find that offensive firepower and defensive firepower that's been talked about for Brian Kelly's team? Matt Muscona, how's it going this afternoon, my friend? Hey, Corey, doing great, man. How are you? Absolutely blessed by the best. It feels like I was just with you a couple of weeks ago at SEC Media Days, and here it is, halfway point of the college football Crazy. season. It goes by so fast once it starts, doesn't it? It's insane, man. I was just thinking we're, I mean, you know, July there in Nashville was so much fun just setting the stage for the season, and you blink, and it's October, and yeah, we're well into conference races, and, uh, and half our season's already over, man. But uh, that's why we got to stop, stop and enjoy the Saturdays when we get them, man. We only get 12 of them. Absolutely. So far for the LSU Tigers, I know that they were not predicted by the media to win the SEC West, but they, they really are the defending SEC Western champions. And if you were to have told me that LSU would have had two losses at this point in time in the season – would you would have said I was crazy or you would have thought things had to go really wrong for Brian Kelly? Well, I, I figured for two losses at this point, something would have had to have gone really wrong. Um, and it has, it's been, it's been the defense. Um, you know, Corey, I was one of those guys in Nashville that I, I picked LSU to win not only the West, but to win the SEC. And the reason primarily was I, I looked and I said, man, this is, this is the worst quarterback year we've seen in the SEC, I think, since 2014. And LSU's got, got the best one. And it's kind of played out that way. Jaden Daniels has been great, and there's a lot of programs in this league that are looking for answers at quarterback still. But what I didn't anticipate, which I'm not sure anybody anticipated, was the LSU defense being the worst in the league and pacing toward what, what could end up being the worst in the history of the program, uh, which is which is a mouthful, considering how good the offense is and what they could be playing for if their defense was even average. But they have really struggled to find find that consistency on the defensive side of the ball. 
The defensive consistency is what's really blown everybody away. I know you hit the transfer portal, and when you do look at the identity of this defense, it starts with Perkins. And he hasn't had a bad season, but he hasn't had that, look, I'm going to win all the defensive player of the year awards type of year either. And I know that's – is it the secondary that's really been the question mark, question mark, question mark in everybody's head? Or what is it that has not led up to that secret sauce for this LSU defense? Well, it's been a little bit of everything, but the secondary is a really good place to start. Um, you know, LSU earned this reputation over the last two decades as, you know, in that DBU conversation. And I think everybody knows all the great players that have come through here in the secondary. You know, the, the, you know, the, the award winners, you know, Thorpe Award winners, and the first-round draft picks, if it was Patrick Peterson and Derek Stingley and Tyron Matthew, Jamal Adams, Grant Delpit, we all know the names. Uh, those guys aren't in the secondary. You know, and, and how it got to that point is kind of a layered conversation. But, you know, Ed Ogeron left, left the cupboard pretty bare. Brian Kelly came in, went into the portal a year ago, and he hit on a bunch of those guys. If it was Greg Brooks or Joe Fouché, Jar Bernard Converse, Makai Gardner, maybe not household names, but guys that were established college football players that came to LSU and played really well. And all those guys left. After last year, they were one-year mercenaries, and so they had to go back into the portal while they continued to rebuild their depth through the recruiting classes. And they just missed on all those guys this year. You know, the same way they hit a year ago, they just missed in this class. So you look around, and who you got, who you got, and who you got ain't nearly good enough to hold, to hang against the the best receivers and and offenses in the country. So, you know, they're they're trying to maybe. Uh, fix some things in that defensive front seven, pressure the quarterback to give that secondary some help. But, boy, if you know they're, they're not talented enough to play man and they make too many mistakes to play zone. And so, you know, it's just kind of a pretty consistent issue defensively uh, across the board. Matt Moscona, our guest this afternoon on the final drive. You can hear him weekdays on ESPN Baton Rouge. And I know as we look at the Tigers versus Tigers, Auburn Tigers, LSU Tigers, Death Valley, we've kind of talked throughout the week about this historic matchup, whether it's the seismic earthquake game, whether it's the, the fire that was right outside of the stadium that took place and just some crazy moments. Cam Newton kind of solidifies his Heisman Trophy with a, a great run against LSU. There's just been some great matchups. And I know going divisionless football a year from now and taking away this Auburn Tigers versus LSU Tigers matchup is something that a lot of people are kind of salty about because when you have Tigers versus Tigers, it's always fun. Well, it's my favorite LSU rivalry. Um, you know, LSU doesn't have a traditional geographical rivalry. There is like LSU doesn't have the Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, you know, the Kentucky, Louisville, name it, Texas, Texas A&M. Like LSU doesn't have that. So, really, LSU's rivals have kind of been generational based on what were the most relevant games during that period. So. If you go back to the 1950s, you'll hear people like my grandfather talk about Ole Miss, right? Billy Cannon and Johnny Vaught and all that stuff. You know, in the 70s, it was, you know, LSU against Bear Bryant in Alabama. You know, for me, 
you know, I was born in 82, and my earliest memories are in the 80s and the 90s. Well, it's all those games that you referenced, Corey. It's the, the earthquake, the barn burner, uh, bring back the magic, the interception game. You know, and the series just always delivered, and it also happened at a time when Alabama was down. I mean, LSU won seven out of eight against Alabama. I know Auburn won was it five or six in a row against Bama. I mean, LSU and Auburn were, were the preeminent teams in the West during that time. So, you know, I uh, th- this one is my favorite. I, I love the LSU Auburn series, and uh, I'm I'm sad that it's not going to be played every year. But man, you know, you you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. And if if conference expansion is what you need to to maintain your your status at the top of the college football uh, totem pole, and if, and this is what you sacrifice. I mean, you look and realize, well, Texas and Texas A&M don't play anymore, and. There's so many great rivalries that have that have uh, gone by the wayside because of realignment, but this is this is just another one. Matt Muscona, our guest here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5, and Matt, when you do look at this defense of LSU once again, it, it's been the ineptitude of Auburn's offense not really being able to find that go-to quarterback after their last five games and the question marks that are still lying there and you see them punch Georgia in the mouth 10 to 0 in that first quarter albeit at home and then you see the defense that they had against Texas A&M in the first half 6 to 3 there and then just not being able to find that offensive firepower if Auburn is going to step up offensively, you do look at the last couple of games that LSU has played. Give up 39 points to Missouri, and that's a shootout. You give up 55 and a loss to Ole Miss. And then you look at the amount of points that Arkansas was able to score as well in a win for LSU in 31. Is this the game where LSU's defense finally makes Auburn's offense look like it does have enough firepower to compete for the rest of the SEC season? Maybe so. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is a great coach. He's a really creative offensive coach. And a lot of the things that have given LSU trouble are the eye candy, the misdirection. I mean, that's what Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss did, did so well in that game. I mean, remember, at that point in the season, Quinchon Judkins had only run for – but 270 yards total. Uh, he ran for 177, or I think he maybe ran for 200. So he ran for 177 against LSU. So, you know, Jarquez Hunter's a great player. I know Auburn's had its, its issues offensively, and I I don't think that there's – I don't know that there's a, a ton of first-round talent hanging around on the plains right now on the offensive side of the ball. But Hugh Freeze is a great coach. And I'll tell you this, Corey, and we might have even talked about this, you and I when we were talking there at SEC Media Days. I believe that Hugh Freeze, that Auburn under Hugh Freeze is going to beat somebody this year. They got no business beating. Um, he he did it his first season at Ole Miss back in 2012 when he inherited an awful situation from Houston Nutt, and they went to a bowl game that year and they came to Baton Rouge and darn near beat a, a really good LSU team that year. I mean LSU scored I think with 15 seconds left to win the game. Uh, Odell Beckham had a punt return to, to tie it in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, LSU needed some heroics. Uh, Auburn came close against Georgia, and this is one where this series has been so wacky over the years, I would not put anything off the table. So, 
if Auburn comes in here and you tell me they're going to do what Arkansas did and score 31 points and put up 400 yards of offense, I would not be surprised in the least. Now, I think LSU wins the game because I think everybody's going to have trouble stopping LSU from scoring. That offense is just too good. So I think LSU is going to win the game, but I I would be surprised if it wasn't a four-quarter game where, you know, it's just you're going to have to make plays to put up points in the fourth quarter, and LSU's just kind of proven they can do that, which is why I like them at home. But, man, I I do think Auburn will move the ball and they'll put up points and yards. I I don't know that I don't know that if we're going to think that they're explosive or, or any, the way that the Jazz did, but but I certainly think Auburn's going to have offensive success in this game. I do, yes. Matt Miscona, our guest here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Matt, I'm going to go back and piggyback to what you said at the beginning of our conversation that you did feel not only could LSU win the West, that they could win the SEC championship. But it's not a crazy statement as of today. Why is that? Because you're still controlling your own destiny if you're LSU at 3-1. and one. Because you win this game – and now you've got your head-to-head versus Auburn. You're looking at, all right, I still have Alabama that I have to go to, and if I can beat Alabama, who's in the driver's seat right now with an undefeated record, then I still have an opportunity for everything to still be in front of me in regards to winning the SEC championship and at least throwing my name in the hat and having a conversation about how if I could able to knock off Georgia somehow in the SEC championship game in a rematch, and depending on what that number is, to where, believe it or not, as crazy it sounds, LSU is still alive. Well, if LSU wins out, they'll be in the playoffs. I mean, I, that's I think you probably agree with that. I mean, if you went out, you would have beaten Auburn, Florida, A&M. You would have won at Bama. You would have won the SEC West, and you would have beaten number one Georgia in the SEC championship game. If that happens, the SEC champion is not going to get left out of the playoffs. So, yes, if LSU wins out and wins at Bama and beats Georgia and Atlanta, LSU will be at the playoffs. I just I just don't think that's going to happen. Like, <laughs> the, the defense is, is way too much of a liability. I, I it, You know, maybe they can improve. Teams are allowed to improve as the season goes along. But it, it's – this defense isn't just – it doesn't just have holes. It, I mean, we're talking about, like, historically bad. I mean, the worst defense LSU's ever had in its program history was the COVID year under Bo Pelini in 2020. They allowed 34.9 points per game. Like, this team's allowing 32 points per game. It's bumping up against the worst defense we've ever seen. So, I, I don't know how you, you fix that in half a season against SEC competition. So is it is it possible? Yes. And I would tell you, yeah, if LSU wins out, wins the SEC, wins at Bama, beats Georgia, they'd be in the playoffs. I just I think it's more likely LSU loses a couple of more games than it is winning out. Greg Brooks Jr. has really been a concern for every LSU fan and non-LSU fan across the country. And for him to luckily be diagnosed when he was diagnosed, how he was diagnosed. Sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. Talk to us about how the community and the LSU faithful are rallying around Greg Brook Jr. Yeah, man, what a story. Um, you know, a guy who's the thought was just having issues with vertigo during fall camp and it, it kept persisting. They, they got him tested and found out they had a brain tumor. Um, 
He's had he's had one brain surgery already. He was transferred this week to St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Memphis to be treated there. Um, the diagnosis is he'll need another procedure as well. Uh, but LSU started what they called their, the Victory Fund. You know, they were cleared through the NCA to be able to act as an intermediary to to collect funds for the Brooks family. And uh, you know, Brian Kelly told us earlier this week they've already raised more than a hundred thousand dollars, which is awesome. So. You know, Greg's a New Orleans kid, and um, you know, people, you know, a, a young man that a lot of people in this area have watched grow up in football, you know, from being a highly rated recruit and then going to Arkansas and transferring back to LSU. But um, he's, uh, from all indications, man, has got a great spirit about him. He's got great family support and certainly community support. So everyone that's offering prayers or donations, I, I know not only the LSU community but, but the Brooks family certainly appreciates. Well, Matt, last question for you before we let you go here. Jaden Daniels, regardless of the two losses that LSU has, offensively he still continued to contribute and keep his name right at the top of that Heisman Trophy chatter. If he's able to dissect and dismantle Auburn, and do you really still think that, let's say he does struggle against Auburn, who has an outstanding defense that they can put together for four quarters if he's able to dissect them, will he be able to continue to keep his name atop that Heisman list? And if he struggles and LSU finds a way to, to give this game away to Auburn, will he fall off of those lists in your eyes? Yeah, look, if they lose to Auburn, I mean, he's already dinged, right, because you lost twice and and you've got some tough games ahead. The, the path for Jaden that I would say is – is a similar path that Tim Tebow in 07, um, Robert Griffin third, the third in 2011, um, Lamar Jackson in 2016. Those were all guys that won the Heisman on teams that had three losses. So it's possible that you could be the quarterback of a team that's not in in the type national championship contention and win the Heisman. But you have to have an an extraordinary type season. And then there can't be another obvious choice among contenders. So if Jaden Daniels at the pace he's at throws for 4,000 yards and runs for 1,000 yards and is responsible for 50 touchdowns, he'll be in New York no matter what. Like he'll, He will be in New York at the Heisman ceremony. Um, but for him to win it, he's going to have to have some other guys come back to the pack. And the, the chance he's got there is, look, I mean, Bo Nix and Michael Penix are going to play this weekend. One of them is going to take an L. I don't know that I see Florida State going undefeated. They're going to, they'll likely have to play Clemson again and still have some tough games. So I don't know that I see Jordan Travis staying undefeated. You know, with, I, Caleb Williams, I, I don't know that there's a reason we've never seen back-to-back Heisman winners. I think Notre Dame is, or, or USC rather, is, is going to take losses. I think they might lose this weekend to Notre Dame. So I think the guys ahead of him, will, when they start, losing games you'll see them regress and if Jaden continues his pace he could surge again it's it's a it's a long shot if you're not the quarterback of a team playing for a championship but Jaden nothing should be taken away from him what he's doing this year is is pretty magnificent it's he's special he's been fun to watch 
Matt Muscona, can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. How can everyone follow all your tremendous, not only LSU Tigers coverage, but pretty much the entire state of Louisiana's coverage that you have, whether it's Saints, whether it's high school, it doesn't matter. You do an outstanding job of keeping your listeners and viewers informed, especially with what goes on with at LSU. Well, thanks, Corey. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, I would say if you can spell my name, you can find me. Uh, I'm, I'm on every platform everywhere, but lucky enough to do to, to, to be based out of Baton Rouge here on 104.5 ESPN. So you can always stream uh, our audio or video on YouTube or, or via our site or our app, 104.5 ESPN. So I appreciate it, man. Matt, thank you so much, and have a great weekend. My pleasure. Matt Muscona joining us this afternoon on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. This is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. to the final drive and you just heard a nice preview and breakdown of the big matchup of the Tigers this Saturday Auburn versus LSU and look another big game on Saturday Alabama versus Arkansas and if you don't have anywhere to watch it come to the outside or watch it there you can walk out of there with some WNSP swag you can even win an Alabama jersey courtesy of the vault they're doing their own giveaway where you can win Iron Bowl tickets, so you can enter that. They got some great drink specials right next door is the food court. They got 22 TVs, and look, this isn't that primetime slot. This is that early game, so there's going to be a bunch of different games to watch. So even if Alabama gets up big and it's a blowout, there's going to be some other competitive game to watch as well. I know my guy Corey LeBounty is going to be out there. I'm going to try and make it out there, but I don't know if I can. Got some last-second baby duties to take care of before I have to take care of literal baby duties. Am I right? Am I right, people? Talking talking poopy diapers, yeah? Well, look, what we're about to be talking about is some sports betting. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't here last week, but got to bring him back. My guy Cooper Cox, the sports prophet. One of his best bets last week was Atlanta money line over Houston. That cashed, so we're going to see what he's got for us this week, all right? You're listening to The Final Drive on a football-filled Friday. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bo Manning, my co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide. You're listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. It's Friday. Like I said, we didn't get to it last week that the good bet was only for me personally. But now, Cooper Cox, the sports prophet, at sportsprofit underscore on Twitter, thesportsprofit.com. He's back this week to give you guys a little advice, a little analysis on 
some betting lines going on. Cooper, how you doing, man? Hey, Nick. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, like you said, um, I was happy to hear that, uh, that that you got my message and were able to get that bet in on the Falcons. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, man, I, but you know me. I'm, I'm a biased fan. I was leaning that way anyway, but I appreciated <laughs> seeing your text. It, it gave me a little extra support. Absolutely. That's, that's what I'm here for. Well, look, man, one of the biggest games this Saturday is Oregon-Washington. Me, personally, I think Oregon has uh, playoff potential. I think they could finish in that top four, but Washington, man, they've been on fire. What do you, what do you think about this game? Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, definitely, I mean, it's the game of the week. Uh, you know, maybe Notre Dame-USC could have been in that category before Notre Dame had a couple of slip-ups. Uh, but this is the game of the week. Number eight, Oregon at number nine, Washington. Uh, Washington currently a three-point home favorite. Um, and, uh, you know, total sitting at 67 and a half. When I'm looking at this one, uh, obviously Washington has been impressive, uh, arguably the most impressive offense in, in college football, at least in the passing game. These guys have been electric. Uh, the good news for Washington is they had a couple of guys banged up in the receiving core, uh, Adunse and McMillan. They're, they're both probable for this game. So I think both offenses will be at full, at full strength. Uh, Washington, though, should be without a defensive tackle and a starting corner in this one which to me is, is arguably a bigger deal. So uh, when I'm looking at these two in the way that I think they're going to match up, a lot of people tend to like the flashy offense. A lot of people tend to you know, kind of ride the hot hand, I guess, although both of these teams are undefeated, so a case could be made either way. I am also leaning Oregon here uh, at plus three. In fact, I actually think that they have a good chance to win this game outright, and that's where I'll be putting my money. Uh, reason for that is because I just think that they're, they're a more balanced team. So, um, you know, I think Washington is going to struggle in this game, uh, stopping the run. Oregon has the number one graded offensive line in the run game in the country right now, uh, number one in line yards, which means, you know, just what it sounds like. This offensive line, when you watch them play, it sounds like a car wreck, you know, every time the ball is snapped because, they are getting such a push, such a collision, you know, at the point of attack. Uh, so I think Oregon most likely runs the ball all over Washington, uh, controls the tempo of this game. Uh, rain is a possibility as well. You know, no surprise with the game being played in Seattle. Uh, so I love that the way that, that Oregon matches up here with Washington. Uh, and the news doesn't really get any better when looking at some of the underlying numbers for Washington. Uh, because defensively, they're 115th in defensive line yards, and they're 130th uh, in a metric that I look at called stuff rate, which is how often is your defensive front stopping the ball a yard in front or behind the line of scrimmage, and they're 130th in that, which to me is a big red flag uh, for anybody who wanted to bet Washington here. Now, obviously, anything can happen in, in a big-time game. Washington's got great players. You know, the quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., is currently tied for the front runner of the Heisman. They've got that great receiver trio. But again, you got to look at matchups when looking at college football. And I do believe that Oregon is going to be able to just kind of drive the bus in this one. Uh, Bo Nix won't have to do too much, hopefully. And uh, I'm leaning that way as well. In fact, I will have my money most likely on the money line around plus 140. I, I completely agree with you, man. Got a couple users in our app that are – 
on different side. One of them says that the Oregon offensive line is going to maul the Washington defensive line just like the Ducks did against Colorado. Got another guy saying Washington is going to win because they got the big Phoenix in energy. So <laughs> whatever way you fall, but look, I'm rocking with the Ducks like you, man. And look, every week we talk and, you know, we try to pick an NFL game. And, you know, before Deshaun Watson was going to get came out as being injured, I thought a, a pretty good game was going to be 49ers-Browns. But with Watson out, I think we know Niners are probably going to handle business. So then another intriguing game that I saw was the Seahawks versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase last week, they look like they might be starting to figure things out. How do you see this game going? Yeah, this is an interesting game, you know, for a variety of reasons. Uh, Bengals obviously have made deep playoff runs uh, the last couple of seasons. And, you know, anytime Joe Burrow's on your team, you have high hopes, you know, going into the season, which is fair. Uh, this is also a team that started slow the last couple of years for whatever reason. That's kind of been their MO this year. I think it has more to do with the Joe Burrow, uh, you know, calf injury. Um, I watched the game last week against the Cardinals. I thought they were a little fortunate to, to cover the spread, to be honest with you. Uh, I do think he looked a little bit better as far as mobility. Um, but I think something that, that could potentially help them even more than last week is T Higgins is probable to return. He was a full participant in practice today. Uh, which is is a big deal because uh, you know that obviously opens up big plays for for Jamar Chase. Um, however, uh, when looking at the Seahawks and the Bengals, uh, the Seahawks have have actually been a better team this year. You know whether that is directly related to Joe Burrow's injury or not, um, they have been better um, in a lot of the key metrics and especially the ones that you look at in this matchup. When Seattle has been able to run the football. They've won games. They're three and one in games that, that Kenneth Walker has 80 yards or more on the ground, um, and the Bengals have struggled. That's been their number one struggle defensively is stopping the run. So um, I think it's a good matchup for for Seattle to to keep this game close. This Seattle defense reminds me a lot of the Atlanta Falcons defense. Mm. Two defenses that are are to me, criminally underrated. Neither of those defenses are really getting credit. Both of them are top 10 in pressure uh, and sacks this year, and they're just not getting the credit where it's due. Um, so, look, I, I, I like the Seahawks to keep this one close, but my official advice on this is going to be use Seattle in your teasers. Right now they're at plus three, a six-and-a-half, six-point teaser. You can, you can tease Seattle up to plus nine, plus nine-and-a-half, I think they're in this game. I think the books are, are, are hanging a, a Cincinnati minus three here uh, because of who their quarterback is and, and because of their pedigree the last couple of years. People are going to be jumping to bet the Bengals uh, at a short number. And Seattle, they're just not flashy. I mean, you know, Geno Smith is not Joe, Joe Burrow. Uh, they don't have the Legion of Boom anymore. But this defense is quietly performing really, really well. Um, and they're just, at this point in time, they're a more well-rounded football team. So uh, I would be teasing. Seattle will be in my teasers uh, this weekend for sure. Okay, I like that, man. And look, just a reminder, guys, we're talking with Cooper Cox. He's the sports prophet. You can find him on Twitter at sportsprofit underscore thesportsprofit.com. And Cooper, you know, every time you come on here Friday, we're just getting a little preview of what you have to offer, but there's more in store, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So typically, you know, I, I have given uh, best bets uh, at the end of the segment. Um, last time I was on the show, I did give a free best bet um, that was Purdue and um, – who did they play that day? Oh, it was Purdue and Illinois over 52 and a half, uh, which was a, you know, that, that was a best bet for me. Uh, the last two seasons, uh, you know, if you're looking for a bet to, you know, double your risk, if, if you like to put a little extra money on a bet, this is what these wagers are for. These are my extra confident plays. Uh, these are 22 and nine, 71% over the last two college football seasons. And I've got a two unit best bet up at the sportsprofit.com. Uh, for tomorrow's Saturday college football slate. All I can tell you is that the game involves Kentucky and Missouri. I can't tell you what I'm going to be on, obviously, uh, but that is the game that the best bet is involved in, uh, and I've got a really confident play in that one. Well, Cooper, man, hopefully our listeners can find all that, and hopefully they can tell you and make a little money, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Friday, all right? Thanks, Nick. See you next week. Yep. All right, guys. We going to win some money? Huh? Maybe. We'll see. User in the app, he's giving the edge to Oregon because of the defense. I agree. They might be able to stifle the big Penix energy. I, I keep wanting to say big Penix injury. That's, <laughs> that's something completely different. Uh, but look, guys. One more segment. Might get my god picks compete to hop on here with us. You know, all he ever gets to talk is high school football. But, look, he's a big college football fan himself. I mean, he's the guy who comes up with the list of games for us to pick. So we'll chat with him. I know my guy Corey is headed out to, you know, what what Al Whedon earlier was saying the, was the game of the year. So we'll see how he's doing. I know he's getting excited for that. I'm pumped for that. I'm going to be watching that while, you know, we're airing all of our games here on the stations you know if you're going to any of these games in the county look put the airpod in put the headphones in me personally i like the over the head headphones but they're a little uh less inconspicuous if you have those on but look you can listen to all the broadcasts you can flip between crab wnsp you can see what the updates are at all the other games you can put the update of the game that you're at in the app a lot of options, people. Hey, look, you know, this song is from the movie Us, one of my favorite horror movies. Love Jordan Peele, Get Out. Both those movies were actually, like, just added to Netflix, I think, yesterday. So, if you haven't seen those movies and you're looking for a very creative I say scary movie, but if you have, you know, your wife or someone, whoever, your partner, if they're like, I, I don't like scary movies, look, my fiance doesn't like scary movies either, but these are two of her favorite movies as well. So I would recommend that over the weekend while you're not watching football, check out us, check out Get Out. Those are some good movies. But look, one more segment, then we're going to wrap it up, and then it's all high school till midnight. This is the final drive. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. 